Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Thomas. And we love to talk tech and all things Google. Yeah, and not only Google, we want to give you our unbiased points of views on all things tech-related, from computers and phones to smart home tech. In this podcast, we hope to be able to share our passion for all our favorite things in tech with you. But we won't shy away from bringing you the unbiased truth. If we hate something, you'll be the first to know. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as social media, at The Fanboy Pod. Our website is unbiasedfanboys.com. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to the Unbiased Fanboys podcast. I'm Adam, and I'm joined today with my, again, esteemed colleague, Mr. Tomas. That's me. So, for those of you who don't know, this is our fifth episode, and this is the first time where we are recording it in the same room. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, virus stuff is still up in the air, but uh, my AC's out, so I've got every single fan we own running at full blast, and it was not going to be an acceptable recording environment, so... I'm here. Yay for home warranties, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, that'd be like, uh, what savings? Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that gets taken care of soon, but also hopefully I buy a nicer mic like this one soon because I'm sure this sounds substantially better. Well, I mean, you would know because you've been listening to the show. (laughs) That's true. Because I send all the episodes to you before we put them out. Right. So, But we've got, we're going to do something new. We're going to change up the style a little bit here. And we are going to do a like a sort of a new segment here. And it's basically like the news because fake news, why not? Exactly. Yeah. The more misinformation we can spread. Kidding, not misinformation. We are truly unbiased in our fanboyhood. I don't know. Uh, we did get some feedback from a friend. Uh, and he said, uh, I, I asked him for feedback and he said, Nothing much, although y'all biased as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair enough. We we uh, again, you know, we we are fanboys. We'll we're unbiased in the sense that we will give everything its fair, you know, opportunity to prove itself. Um, but we won't shy away from the fact that we like Google. Yeah, we. I mean, like is a little bit of like a weak adjective there. Sure. I would, for me at least, I would say fucking love. Uh, huge fanboy. Uh. But I'm also a realist, and I try to see both sides. And, you know, for me, in a lot of ways, Google just works better. And in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, Apple just works better. Like, for me, in my workflow, I've tried Apple, didn't like it, get the fuck out. But they do do some things better than Google and Windows and Linux. And so you got to give props to those that deserve it. And you got to respect the greats. And Apple, whether we like it or not, is a great. Right. And, um, you know, companies like Apple and Google, they'll have philosophical differences in the way that they approach things. And just because we align ourselves with one of them doesn't make the other less valid. Like you said, it's, it's on a per person basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually leads right into the news we are going to talk about, um, about that kind of philosophical difference. Um, you know, a company like Google makes a majority of their money off of ad revenue. And so they're going to target a lot of the experience that they give you on their operating system and in their apps towards ways that they can, you know, ethically maintain that ad revenue. Right. Um, whereas Apple does not have nearly as much vested interest in that ad revenue. And one of the things that they're adding with iOS 14, this is something we missed in our last episode, or it hadn't been known yet, or I don't know which, but um, one something we both recently heard about was that iOS 14 is going to be making it uh, much more difficult for apps to track your data or 
not more difficult, just every single time an app or a service will try to track your data, um, it will prompt the user as to whether or not you, sh you will allow it. Um, which means it's much more likely that on a case-by-case -case basis, a user will just click no um, because that feels more right in the moment. Right. Well, there's a lot of things here. As someone, so I work for an ad agency and I am the one responsible for showing you ads, Facebook ads, Google ads, and yes, the redheaded stepchild, Bing ads. Um, and so I'm responsible for, for some of those that you might've seen if you've ever looked for a car. And I got to say, the information that they think advertisers know, like specifically, like for example, Tom, you might be in market for an ice cream Monday through Friday, uh, and you like TCBY, and you like Sweet Frog and Menchies, and you visit one or the other every Wednesday between 3 and 5 p.m. And we know your address, we know your place of living, we know all these things about you, contact information, demographic data, geographical data, all these other things. Us at the agency, we don't know that. What we have, what we can see is um, essentially like uh, groups, people that have been grouped, and we don't see who these people are. We just say, all right, I want you, Google, I want you to show this ad to anyone who fits this demographic range and has these interests and have maybe even visited this website before. Um, so that's that's some of the things that we see. And Facebook is pretty similar to that. Um, however, one thing that we can do is if you've been to our shop or if you've been to uh, our store or whatever, or you signed up for our email list, or basically you've given us the ability to create a customer list using your information that you willingly have provided us when you go into the store or when you sign up for rewards programs or anything like that. Uh, and then we can take that information, build a, build a list, and then import that list into Facebook or Google or any of these other ad platforms, and we can target you directly. That's using information that you've given us. That's how those ads are shown to you. Uh, we can also, um, let's say you've been to our website and visited a specific page. We can target people specifically who have been to that specific page that's called remarketing um and then we can basically say okay you didn't buy this product let's show you an ad to get you to buy the product again like to get it in front of you again um but again that really just comes down to a number of factors um but in terms of you know do we even at the ad agency level know that tom martin specifically thomas whatever your middle name is martin lives at this address in this state, in this city, this zip code with this phone number, this email address, uh, this phone, this IP address, do we know that you are the one that's going to be receiving the ad or do we know that we can target you directly? No, we do not. Right. And so, yeah, it's good to kind of clear up any misinformation about that because, yeah, a lot of people will kind of, and especially with this type of, you know, question being shoved in your face all the time about, do you want your, your information to be tracked? It can get scary and it can feel like, um, you know, a lot of your personal information is being tracked and that's not the case. Um, but it does, uh, I guess, bigger picture, if there are concerns to be voiced, it's that the whole 
process by which this data is collected could be used as a backdoor to get that more personal information. And that if you have, you know, a system set up where it can drop cookies onto your device to see when you visited a website and um, it can check cookies that you have on your device to see if you've visited, visited it before that type of thing. You know, if there's ways to get in that way, it, it in the future could be used for more nefarious purposes. And what Apple's basically doing is saying, you can just opt out of that where I guess, I mean, companies like Google will, you know, you still have that choice to opt out of it, but it's not on a, a per a case by case basis. It's when you first set it up, you can say, I do want personalized stuff. And then just for the rest of your use of that device, it. Well, for me, I would much rather see an ad for the Seahawks than for San Francisco or for any other team. Why? Because I fucking love the Seahawks go Hawks. But I understand people are like a little bit concerned with how much people know, but Again, I'd rather see an ad for something that I would be interested in, even if it's just a news article. I'd rather see that because I know that I'm, A, interested in it. Two, I know that the algorithm's got it fucking right because, again, they're not going to insult me by showing me a San Francisco ad, right? Um, But the other thing of it is Apple's really got to be careful here with what they're doing. Globally, they only own about 20% of the mobile OS market, globally. But here in the US, that's a lot higher. Um, with that being said, the other part of it is how do like at at the core, how do Google, Facebook, Bing, uh, how do they make money? How do the majority of the websites even make money that don't sell products? Advertising. Ads, right? They sell ads. Whether they sell it directly by saying, hey, we'll give you space on our website if you promise to give us X amount of dollars and we'll leave it on for three years, whatever. Or you sign up for a third-party service, whether that's Google Ads, whether that's, well, it's uh, AdSense or something like that. Um, you know, that's how those ads are shown onto the website. Um, but that's what helps your bloggers make money. That's what helps your YouTubers make money. That's what helps so many of these content creators, whether they're bloggers, vloggers, YouTubers, um, podcasts podcasters like us yeah uh that's what helps us all digital creators make money news publications like vice for example that's more than likely how they make money is through ads on their website and in some cases subscriptions but the majority of the money for i would even go as far to say probably 70 percent if not higher of the websites out there that are around for a long time how they do it is by selling ads. So if you take that away, if you take that ability away to make to show ads, then put, you're going to lose websites. You're going to lose creators that you care about because you're going to kind of, I don't want to say suffocate them, but you're going to make it a lot more difficult for them to make money. And if they don't make as much money, then they might start to look elsewhere for opportunities. Right. And this is, um, it's a very Apple move because it, we've talked about this before, some of the decisions they've made. Uh, the headphone jack is a classic example, but um, this is an, another exact example of that type of thing where they just, they're at a position where they've got so much financial capital and they have such a massive user base that they can make decisions like this that would normally put a company out of business. Yeah. You know, like if Google were to make this decision, they'd be shooting themselves in the foot. You know, mm -hmm. they would be destroying so much of their ad revenue. So this is something that Apple can, you know, 
make themselves look like the good guy by doing this, even though whether or not they actually are being the good guy is kind of up to debate. But um, they can make themselves look like the good guy. They're standing up for you. They're protecting you um, while also hurting a competitor of theirs and without really losing that much themselves. Um, so this is the type of decision, an unpopular decision to a lot of companies, especially, but even people like us who enjoy the personalized experience that, that, that ad, ad tracking can give you, um, they can make those kind of unpopular decisions and just muscle through it. Right. Um, so it is a very Apple move. Um, again, whether or not it's good or bad is up to your own personal opinion on that type of tracking, but it's just a really interesting thing. I think it's, it's, it's an interesting topic to get into. So yeah, I just thought it would be cool to bring that up and uh, have a short discussion about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm all for personalized ads, but at the same time, I understand the concern, right? Sure. But I also see the other side of it too. Right, right. Yeah, there, there's valid points on both sides. I, I think in its current state, there's nothing malicious going on with targeted ads, um, but who knows? I mean, that's... unless you're like a person running for office, then you have targeted ads targeting- right. Putting a big bullseye at other people's backs, not going to call any names out here. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Or if you're just a particularly impulsive spender and you keep getting ads thrown in your face for stuff that you probably I would really buy. appreciate yeah. it if Amazon, you could stop showing my wife ads, please. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah. be great. I'm pretty bad about that. There's a while where on Instagram, like every single ad I saw, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I might buy that. So I, I had to like, I had to stop myself. Well, yeah, no, it, Instagram really showed me some Seahawks face masks. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy those fuckers. <laughs> but then I saw the price. I'm like, no, yeah, yeah. get the fuck out. Um, but yeah, as far as I can see, that's the most harm that we really see on a day-to-day -day basis is just encouraging impulsive decisions. But um, it, yeah, I, I can understand the bigger picture philosophical concerns with uh, information tracking. I also can understand why it's good. So um, yeah, that's just down to you. Well, speaking of bullseye, the Toy Story reference and toys, um, let's get into our new toy that you and I have both experienced. It is the Hitachi. No, it is <laughs> the <laughs> it is the Android 11 beta. Mm. Now, at the end of last year's beta, I swore up and down I would never do another one. But since it's late in the process here and it's mostly stable, I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm a bite on this one. So I did. And and I and I don't regret it, but like we'll get into a little bit later, it's got some bugs, it's got some quirks, and it's not really daily drive material ready yet, which again, we'll get into later. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, some of the things you'll be getting in uh the Android 11 experience at this point that we are seeing on the beta, you get a new it's called a device hub. So when you hold down the power button and you can choose your credit cards or whatever your Google Pay, and you can also, now you can, instead of having the option to screenshot, restart the phone, whatever, you can you can um, also control your smart home tech. So your lights and stuff like that. Fucking love it already. Um, then you also have a notification organizer. So it's going to it's going to organize your notifications for you based on conversation and silent notifications. So, and with that, you can also prioritize certain people uh, like your wife or your spouse or whatever. You So that way they will be always at the top, but then it will also, uh, when you're in other apps, it will, if it's an unread message or something, it will show their profile picture in the notification bar when it's collapsed. Uh, so, which I don't know about you, but 
I really enjoy that one. Like, um, you, you've had what a day and a half, two days of experience on it before you gave my wife your now former pixel three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and from my experience with it, yeah, it, it was really cool. Both of those things you mentioned so far, I really like, and I, Bigger picture, a lot of what Google's doing in this is just sorting information better. And yeah, I, I really like what they've done with it. Being able to prioritize individual people is really nice. You know, so if you have, I'm the type of person that when I get a text message from someone that I'm not, like, I, I don't want to forget about it, but I don't want to respond yet. Um, I just leave the notification there. Yeah. And so I can end up with three, four or five messages just sitting there from people that I intend to respond to at some point, but not yet. And then, you know, a message from my wife can get lost in that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, being able to just always sort the priority ones to the top is really nice. So Kendra, if you are listening, Tommy has no fucking excuse anymore. <laughs> well, I'm on a Samsung, so I'm not going to get this. Oh till yeah. Like that's yeah. 18 months from now. Oh so. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I have an excuse for another like 18 months. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, the other thing is with these notifications is they're also giving you a notification history, which you can easily find. Yes. So if you accidentally swipe something away, you can go in and find that notification say, oh, okay, let me pull this back up. And so that's great because that's happened to me numerous times. And I, and I hate it. I'm like, oh fuck, what did I just miss? Right. Cause you don't always, cause you're trying to swipe something else away, but then yeah. you get a notification while you're in the process of swiping <laughs> yeah. and then bye bye baby. Yeah. I do that all the time. Like I'll wake up in the morning and I've got like 15 notifications from just random apps that have thrown stuff up or emails or something. And I'll just start swiping all of mm -hmm. them away. And then my, I'll catch one with my eye, like right as I'm swiping it away. Like, oh wait, what was that? Yeah. And yeah. So currently in Android, um, you get a notification history, but it just tells you which apps have sent you notifications recently. With this, now you get to actually see what the specific notification was, which is fantastic. And yeah, it's really good. Well, um, kind of moving along here. Yep. Predictive apps. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. It. So. On the bottom row of your home screen, it will take the predictive apps that you used to be able to find, which you still can, in the app drawer at the very top. It takes that and puts them at the very bottom of the home screen, and it and it will be on every screen, every every screen that you slide in terms of um, like on. Let's say you have five home screens, it'll be on every single one of those. So that's great. I do enjoy that. Um, which I'll talk a little bit about the bugs or potential bugs, however you want to look at it a little bit later on about this particular one. Yeah. Uh, but one great feature about it is that you can, um, you can block apps from ever showing up on there. So if you have the, the, uh, the little known about app uh, called Pornhub, you can block that from showing up. Mm. Um, fun fact, that's only available on Android because iOS does not allow APK downloads. That's what you're missing out on. Yeah. Um, well, see, predictive apps is something that I'm a little, I, I, I'm, I'm not excited about it. I, I didn't even turn it on in my like day and a half. Oh, really? It. Yeah. Because see, I'm the type of person that, I mean, like I, I'll set my home screen exactly how I want to, I'll like lock it so I can't change it. And I just almost by muscle memory, I learn where I need to go for each thing. And so when you replace that dock that normally is your quick access for apps that you always want to know where they are, you replace that with something predictive. That's nice when it gets it right. But even when it does get it right, it prevents you from kind of getting into a flow. Like when you go back to your home screen, you have to stop and look at what's been predicted. And then you can decide, okay, do I need to go to the app drawer? Do I need to go to a different page? Whereas if you just have that as a set of locked folders or something, 
you always know you swipe home and you can immediately tap the folder that you want. So uh, while I can understand and like, it makes sense in the app drawer to me, because if I'm yeah. opening the app drawer, clearly I need something that's not quickly accessible on my home screen. So then if Google wants to try to tell me what I need, great. Um, but on the home screen, I, I definitely much prefer having a locked in experience and not having like variable apps like that. So I guess we can just go ahead and talk about it now, but one of the issues, if you want to call it an issue that I have with it is I've already had my four folders there four or five folders there for five plus years. Right. And so at first I thought I didn't like for some reason, because I thought it was because it was a pixel two that I wasn't getting these predictive apps on the home screen. But really when I moved one of the folders, they showed up. Yeah. And so, um, but for me, before I installed this beta, I was I found myself using the app drawer a lot more. Mm. Um, and, and really it's kind of about the same. Um, okay. for me, it, it's kind of transitioned into the beta as well, but, um, but I've had the majority of the apps that I'm going to use in the folders, but if, uh, you know, these predictive apps can save me the trouble of opening the folder as lazy as that fucking sounds, sure. I'm going to click on it because sure. it's right there. Right. Well, um, yeah, one or two more comments on that. One is that it feels like if you don't have an app on your lock screen or on your home screen, I mean, it's going to be an app that you don't use very often, mm -hmm. which means Google might have a really hard time predicting that you need it. So the predictive apps are going to work best for stuff that you use all the time, which are probably just going to be on your home screen anyway. Well, the contradictio. Okay. I have actually, because I've been using the app drawer a lot more, it's really kind of made me lazy about adding, you know, like maybe prime the, the the video app mm. to my like my I call it my utilities folder or something like that where right. I have like my Netflix my my Spotify app um you know my Jeep app and stuff like that mm. uh so I haven't added that there I also haven't added in the words with friends which I just recently uninstalled the only reason I play that is because my wife likes to play it and that's one thing we can do together so right. for all you haters shut up <laughs> and so. I've found myself lazy about adding the apps that I frequently use to those folders. Okay. Right. That's fair. Yeah. If you've got like a, a system you've always used, you might, you might not add stuff to it so readily, but mm -hmm. Google can kind of preemptively predict that. Yeah. And I also just find myself using search all the time. Like I just have the Google search bar at the bottom and oh I that knew, yeah i thought you meant like search like open the app drawer and then search oh no like so the like the google search bar it can do a, a device search as well as an internet you're search, not wrong which is really cool so i just have that at the bottom i have my main folders and then right above the dock i have my google search bar and that's literally my home screen and anything that's not in those base folders or not on my widgets on my other screen i just tap the search bar and i rarely even open the app drawer anymore Oh, wow. um, yeah. Okay. So it, I guess it, it, again, it depends on your personal flow, but as we've talked about with before, that's the advantage of Android, you know, they're giving you options. Yeah. Um, and so if you're the type who will all the time open the app drawer to search for an app, having that row of predictive apps is great. And if you don't have a really set in stone locks home screen, or if you have a really set in stone home screen that you don't want to mess with having those predictive apps in the home screen can also be really nice. Yeah, it could be, but Sometimes it can get in the way of things or mm. things can get in the way of the predictive apps or, and, and potentially hide those apps from being shown like mm. my folders or in this particular case, something that you and I both feel a very strong way about. And that is chat bubbles. Ah, uh, yeah. 
Chad had that's when did Facebook Messenger start doing that? It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was probably like six years. Maybe I feel like there was a it, it was some special thing I guess that Google added in specifically for that, or Facebook figured out a way to work around, yeah. like to create you know an always running app little. And then bubble. like you would have two fucking notifications. You would have the message, and then you would have like a new bubble. Yeah, annoyed the fuck out of me because yeah. you can never get rid of the one. Yep. Until like two years ago. I always hated the bubbles. I've never used them every time I've installed Facebook Messenger. Because all the time I uninstall it because like I'm quitting Facebook, no more Facebook. And then I'll have to reinstall it for some reason. You said what about your uh, Insta two, three Instagrams that you have? Oh, I, I love Instagram. And I understand it's the same company. Yeah. But uh, Facebook just seems so much more toxic to me. Um, but anyway, um, I'll uninstall it all the time and then reinstall it all the time. And every time I have to go back in and turn off chat heads because it's so dumb. But I will say that the advantage of Google integrating it, because in Android 11, they'll be adding chat heads for any messaging app. And the advantage that I can see with that is that if you are the type of person that consistently has messages happening between two or more apps. You know, if you're messaging in Facebook Messenger and text messages and WhatsApp and all these different services, you're, you're messaging different people with different apps. Chat heads is a way to consolidate all of that into one notification. And then you tap to expand that and it'll bring up all your messaging apps side by side in tabs. You just switch between them, which is really cool. Yeah. And so if, if you're the type of person that does that, I can see that being very advantageous as a way to, you know, instead of clogging up your notification bar with, you know, six different messages from you know, three different apps, you have all of that just in your little bubble. And then you can expand that switch between them easily. So I can I can see the advantage for people who would need it. I'm yeah. not the type of person who would need it. Nobody fucking texts me. <laughs> but like I did try it. I did. Um, you know, when my wife texted me, I opened it up in a bubble. Um, they called me Bubble Boy. <laughs> and like when I would close it out, close out the bubble, it would lock the home screen mm. or it would lock the phone. Okay. And it was the same with Facebook Messenger for some reason, which I don't understand that. It that's might weird. just be a beta fuck up. I hope that's just a beta thing. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm not going to be fucking using this <laughs> anymore. But but it is nice that you have that feature. And I can see what you're saying, how it would be easier for, for some people. But I'm not one of those people. I'm I'm not going to subscribe to it. I, I just, I don't like it because I like a clean screen. Right. If I'm watching a video... I don't even want a fucking notch there or a hole punch. Yeah. I don't want that. Like I want the full screen real estate dedicated to the video right. or whatever else I'm doing. Now, picture in picture, it's kind of hypocritical of me because sometimes I like the YouTube video while I'm doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's another similar thing that it's weird. I'm the same way where I have a pretty strong negative reaction to chat heads and they look so annoying to me to see. Yeah, you like picture in picture. But picture in picture I use all the time. Which is weird. I, I don't know what you know psychological thing is happening there. Maybe it's because I associated those chat bubbles with Facebook Messenger. And yeah. I just don't like Facebook Messenger, so now I don't yeah. like chat bubbles. Well, because like for four or five years, it was annoying as fuck. Yeah, you could never get rid of certain notification, like one of one of the two notifications. You could just yeah. swipe the message away, but then it would, there would still be this notification saying chat head still open. Or, yeah, like, get yeah. the fuck out. Yeah, and it was annoying. But one thing that um has always been there is that negative stigma that you and I have placed on it. Right. So there's that. Yeah. However, with picture in picture with Android 11 beta, you are getting a resizable window. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is really cool. Um, that's something that uh, um, I I'd missed at first when they were talking about Android 11, or I just hadn't noticed it. Um, and I saw that uh, iOS 14, when they're, they're finally implementing picture-in-picture for the first time, and it's resizable. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And then, yeah, Android is doing that too. So that's really nice. Because um, it is annoying that you, I mean, you just have the size that it is. And um, it, it's not really a, a substitute to like... Um, true multitasking with it. Like you're, you're not watching the video on half the screen and doing something on the other half. Like right. it's just a tiny little video over top of your app. Whereas now you can make it bigger if you want. So you can do a bit more of that true like multitasking, mm -hmm. which is nice. Which, yeah, yeah, that's really nice. The other thing, one, one thing. So I'm pretty sure Android had previously had this in the do not disturb settings, but you can allow certain apps to get through. So like Snapchat or whatever. Whenever yeah. you have Do Not Disturb on, you can allow certain apps to get through and instead of just contacts. Yeah. Which I'm 98% certain that Android had already had this before. They just took it away. Yeah, they may have tested it before. I've heard about it before. But the only thing I remember actually being able to do was, yeah, specific contacts. You could let, like I could let my wife through Do Not Disturb, but no one else. Exactly, um, yeah. But it, yeah, being able to let whole apps through would be really nice as well. Because if you get like, an alert from your security system or something, being able to allow that through no, do not disturb seems pretty relevant. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, it, it's cool that, that that's being updated. So one other thing that is now gone on beta two, but was on beta one, which you and I both enjoyed, at least I enjoyed the idea of, and my wife has been using it on her phone, um, is the media resumption. So basically all of your media players would be up in your quick settings menu which yeah. is great because then you could just like long press it to close it and you could just swipe between uh players so like i even tested this um with my phone last night or the night before using google play music rest in peace and spotify and youtube and i could just scroll between them but it wasn't it was just in the notifications bar it wasn't yeah. up in the quick settings or anything like that which is unfortunate but i'm iffy about it um and so one of the other things that I don't like about that is when I turn my car off and unplug my car and I stop using Android Auto, it's still playing Spotify, or at least it still has the app open. And I have to manually open the app and to close it. And that gets rid of it from the notification bar. The other part of it is um, you can't swipe it away like you used to be able to. And I think the reason for that is because you can swipe left or right on it, and that will toggle your other music player or your audio right. media player. Yeah, that I actually hadn't thought about that in my short time using it was not being able to get rid of it as easily, um, which actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but in my experience with it, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it um, because, and again, I guess when we get to the end of all of this, I can talk about my bigger picture impressions of it. But yeah, being able to put that in its most optimal place where you know you want to be able to see it any time, but you don't want it to be over top of anything. Like it's just running in the background. Most people, I, or I, I shouldn't say most people, when I listen to music, it's normally in the background of doing something else. I rarely just like sit down and like intently listen yeah. to a song. So being able to have that in the notify, like way up in the quick settings, even out of the way of notifications is perfect mm -hmm. because it's easy to get to. I can just swipe down on the notification panel to get to it, but it's not going to come in on top of any text messages. It's not going to clog up even the little icons up in your, your notification bar. Like it's just mm -hmm. fully hidden away, which is, is really nice. Well, the other thing that is kind of like 
updated that I that I enjoy, which apparently you have found has been out for a minute. Um, the screenshot update. It no mm. longer you no longer get that notification. At least you weren't supposed to with beta one. However, on beta two, I still got the notification, but I was able to half swipe it to the left, hit the settings, and then turn that bitch off. So there's that, but it also brings it down in the lower left corner for you. And then you can edit it, you can send it, you can whatever you need to do to it, and then it's gone. Yep. Yeah. This is something that, uh, um, like you referred to, I it's been on uh, Samsung for a bit, and I already have it on on my S twenty, um, and I remember it being this the handled this way on uh, even older like Note phones. Um, Wait, you mean Google didn't do something original? What the fuck? I know it's crazy. That's see. I, even though it's not something that Google had the idea for initially, this is again an, an advantage of Android is that you get multiple perspectives on how to implement features in Android. And Which Google hurts can- you sometimes because like we were talking about with the um, prioritization of certain contacts, you're going to have to wait 18 months to get it. Right. Yeah. No, there's, there's pluses and minuses to it. But this is something where Google can observe a feature that Samsung added a while ago and say, okay, that's actually really cool. I think yeah. we can do something with that. And they can make that then a standard feature for anyone on Android, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And this in particular is so useful because the amount of times that I'll want to – like. Uh, that I will, yeah, I wanted to share a screenshot. I'm j- literally just screenshotting something so I can send it to my wife. Um, and instead of having like I screenshot it and then go into photos and find the photo and then share it from there, I just take the screenshot, select who I want to send it to. I can write on it if I want to, I can crop mm-hmm. it if I want to, and then hit send and then it's gone. It's not yeah. a saved image in your Google Photos, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. It, that's great. It, it's so useful because you don't want to clog up your Google photos with just tons of random headlines or like comments on something that you just wanted to send once and then forget about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's a great feature, something that um, I'm glad they're taking in from uh, some of the other third-party distributions that have already added it. The next thing we're going to talk about is screen recording. Google has teased it on certain betas in the past. And, and uh, I got to say, I'm, I'm probably not going to use it that often. I can't see myself using it, but it is one of those things that even though I'm never going to use it, I'm still excited about it. Mm. And I know that Apple is, I'm pretty sure they've already had something similar, at least on Mac OS. Um, but again, it, it's just, it's nice to have that. Like, for example, when I'm showing, you know, Kelly's sister how to download offline maps. So when she loses service, when she comes here from Tennessee, she she's fine. You know, that particular instance would be nice to have or when I'm trying to show my mother something or how to do something, because I'm pretty sure you also get a lot of, hey, Tommy, you're smart with these things. Can you show us how to do this? Yeah. It would be nice to be able to do that. So in that particular area, it would be nice. Yeah. But in, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way and like, okay, let me just screenshot this porno I'm watching. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I agree that the majority of the function of it for me will just be in, you know, showing how to do something. Um, but uh, yeah, I've seen all the time. It's becoming increasingly common now to see videos shared on like Facebook or something of literally someone just 
screen recorded a TikTok or something mm-hmm. and and then shared that instead of just like sharing the TikTok or whatever. I don't even right. know how TikTok works. I'm it's because they want all that. the original views on their own page, oh, grow their own go. page organically. You know what I'm saying? There you go. That, okay, I can see that. So yeah, anyway, like I've seen that way more often now. People just screenshotting videos or screen recording videos. It's a video screenshot. And, and people are, are using it more. I don't see myself using it a lot, but for the occasional time where it does come in handy, it, it's irreplaceable. I mean, there's no other way to do that. Yeah. Well, all right. So Apple is not the only one making security updates. Well, enhancements other than like your typical OS, like trying to prevent hackers and stuff like that. So one thing that they're doing is when an app hasn't been used by you in like 60 days, when it's been dormant for that long, it will revoke the permissions that you allowed it. So when you have to open it again, you have to re, or well, when you go to open it again, it will then prompt you again to give it permissions and stuff like that. Yep. So that right there, that is nice. That is very nice. Um, but like, again, it's just Apple's not the only one here. Sure. But you could make the argument who's doing more. That's a whole nother series of episodes. Sure, sure. Um, but it, it, it's nice that Google is doing this. Yeah, this is actually really cool. This is something I'd never thought about, but it, it makes so much sense. Is like all the time you might install an app that you use once or like you went to a restaurant once and you like signed up for their rewards thing to get $5 off and then you never opened it again. Um, which it's, it's kind of ironic that Google is adding this because their phones have been notoriously low on the spec sheet. It's not like someone with a pixel three would have like 300 apps installed. Anyway, they couldn't fit it. Uh, you'd be surprised Oh yeah, because my wife has like 98 apps. Oh really? On like just the phone that you gave her. Okay. The, uh, the other thing is like, I'm the kind of person, like if I don't use an app, I get it off my phone. Yeah. And it, and I think we've, I think we've talked about this in previous episodes, And I don't really think it's a storage thing. I think it's just like a convenience thing. So I don't have to like scroll too far or whatever. Well, this is actually, it's great in partnership with the other features that they're adding because they're trying to get you out of the app drawer as much, like adding that app suggestions and adding these other quick accesses to things in the power menu and the notification Well, part of the reason they want you to keep all those apps installed is so they can sell you better ads. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, it all comes full circle, but it, that's really smart. Is it, you know, if, if you don't go into your app drawer much, you don't realize how many junk apps you have in there that you haven't used in forever. You don't have to worry about those apps still recording in, any information about you or accessing any of your data. Um, if you haven't used it within 60 days, it revokes all permissions and it won't ask for them again until you open it again. It's really smart. I don't yeah. see what, I, I don't see any reason why, um, you know, this shouldn't be a standard feature. So getting into, um, the sharing of things, uh, you know, when you go to share a link or, or, or a photo, you can now pin apps to permanently show up in that share menu, which is great because like there'd be times when I'd go to share something via messages, it wouldn't be there. Yeah. Or even when I have like the kick app open or Snapchat or messages, Facebook messenger, even, even if I have those open, sometimes it won't always allow me to show or to see those apps as options to share what I'm trying to share. Right. Which makes no sense to me. But now you're going to be able to pin those. You're going to be able to pin it to win it. Yeah. 
I, this is again a, a great feature because um, I've I've had very hit or miss experiences with Google's quick share menu. Um, weirdly, I don't know if this particular feature will fix it. My biggest issue has been that it will suggest specific contacts to to share to within apps. Yeah. So like my first two cert or options are always a messages share to two specific contacts. It's never my wife. Like she's 98% of the time that I share something, it's in a text message to my wife. Same. She never, ever shows up as a suggestion. Kelly always shows up. Like really? 95% of the time. Somehow my wife is like blacklisted on there and it, it literally will never suggest her. And there's You know nothing, what it is? What's that? It's the fact that she shares too many political things on Facebook. No, oh, I'm kidding. yeah, I'm that's, kidding. that's probably it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if this will fix that, but any improvements to that share menu would be appreciated. Um, because it, it's great when it works, but it doesn't always work. And so being able to force apps that you always use, even being, so for my problem, even being able to pin just the messages app straight away would be great. Yeah. So yeah. I don't have to like scroll down to the messages app and then select my wife. Yeah. I can just exactly. immediately tap messages. Or even email or drive. So when right. we're sharing like show notes or ideas, it's you know, right there. Yeah. it's right there. Yeah. But, you know, I got to say, Google has, when it comes to their AI and their AI learning and interpretation, their voice access has kind of been like, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a standard. I don't know what would be the standard in that regard. But right. when it comes to Google Assistant versus Siri, fuck Siri, first of all, even though she can do a lot of things. I know all you Apple people. I know. I know. But we can all agree this Google Assistant is smarter and it gets smarter with these voice access commands. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, this is something where it's never even been on my radar that this has been built into Google because it, 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 that type of thing has always been so buggy. But this is something that now I can see myself potentially even using as someone who doesn't need it accessibility-wise. It's just really cool to fully voice command your phone. Um, and yeah, I guess for those who don't know what voice access is, um, it's just a way to fully voice command your phone. It'll bring up like numbers for every single app and every single item, interactable item on your screen. And historically what you would have to do is you would have to look at the screen and find the number for what you want and then say tap whatever number. But now it knows the names for everything, for all the apps. It knows how to do specific commands and everything. So um, you can just say, open Twitter, tweet, you say the message you say tweet and it'll it, it just you verbally like conversationally just say what you want to do and it can most of the time i assume most of the time get it right um and that's a huge improvement um for someone who needs that voice command um accessibility uh that that's huge and that's something that's so vastly improved that even as someone who doesn't need it accessibility wise i could see myself in times like in the car or something actually using that I mean, I can definitely see myself using it just, but again, it's kind of, you could almost make the argument that at this stage, it's still a gimmick, much like their, uh, their project Solly, like just swipe a foot and a half away from the phone or whatever it is yeah. to skip the song. You know, like I'd probably use it to show off in front of my wife and friends once or twice, and then I'd be done with it. But, you know, it is nice to have, and it's nice to see where the technology is going and where it could go. Yep. And, and especially for people who actually need that, um, like that, that's huge. Um, because I, I'm sure that, you know, in, in today's day and age with technology, it, it heavily favors people who have, uh, working fingers and the ability to interact with touchscreens and stuff. And, um, 
so making that type of opportunity, you know, open to people who don't have the same abilities is fantastic. Exactly. Um, and I can't imagine how frustrating it would be in the past to have to deal with these incredibly antiquated systems. That, like, you know, they could do better, yeah. but they never did. And, and mm -hmm. now they're doing better. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. Well, the last thing that we have here feature wise to talk about is, uh, so one of the things that you also brought up is app shapes. Mm. Again, Google is making more changes and more options for you yeah. for your home screen. This is um, not something they pulled directly from Samsung, but something that Android and in particular Samsung has had for a long time is, you know, theming your device and everything. And you can download themes from the spec, like in Samsung, they're like galaxy store. You can download app sets or like icon packs and stuff. Um, and Google's toyed with that a little bit, but never substantially. Um, but well, yeah, one of the things they're adding now is the ability to change the shape of your apps. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we've had that in the past, like you've said, like you can change it from like a square to a rectangle, yeah. to an oval, to a circle, whatever, to a triangle. I just didn't fucking like it. I yeah. like mine in a circle because what goes around comes around. You know what I'm saying? Cue the music. No, I'm kidding. Um, but 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 that is nice to have that feature because like not everybody likes circles. Yep. I actually, they have one really funky one. It looks like a little like, kind of asymmetrical like lumpy little shape and i actually really liked it i used it for a bit and it was it was really funky and cool um so it, it yeah but again that that's a very minor thing this is something that any android launcher would have given you you know six years ago but um it's it's integrated into stock android now um so and, and in about a year or two uh, Apple might even integrate it too. Oh yeah, you know Can you what imagine I'm a non-rounded square app on, oh, an, man. on iOS. I bet those Apple are just freaking out. That would internally. like break their entire ecosystem. Man, not no widgets would right. Well, I, I yeah, yeah. They've 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 made the they've they've made the baby steps towards towards that type of thing. So who knows? Oh man, but well, yeah. so to kind of sum it all up, so it's just overall. These new features are great, right? Yeah. But it is a beta, and we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, it is yeah. buggy. You know, the tap to message, for me, sometimes just it doesn't do anything. Um, closing chat bubble sometimes locks the phone. Spotify, I still have to manually open it to close it after I, you know, stop casting or stop using Android Auto. Um, select the text, like when you're on the, uh, uh, the multitask what is oh yeah where you like can select text from inside the multitasking like menu yeah or okay. like you can like a screenshot Which, from there that's actually a new feature in, yes in so we have yet to talk, to talk about, about by yeah. the way hey yeah but sometimes when you're selecting the text it won't let you select the starting point you want but it will let you change the edit point the end point oh. so um so that kind of sucks it's mm. all buggy but again we have to keep in perspective what it is yeah it's not an alpha it's not launch it's not market ready uh it's a beta yeah and the reason why people do beta is to test it to see okay this is where we need to work on yeah, people like this don't bugs. like this here's the bugs let's get a bug killer we'll call orkin or whatever right. and, and so uh yeah it, it it is a beta it's yeah. very much a beta and it's not fully uh ready to launch yet it, I, I wouldn't even say it's daily drive yet even though it's my daily driver right now you can suffer through it because i of, will yeah but um yeah so as far as the beta itself yeah i think we can both agree that, that it, 
most people should not daily drive it. Um, but I think that as far as the bigger picture, like assuming that these bugs get fixed and that um, the final version is much better integrated, I think that I really like a lot of the choices that Google's making here. Um, and one of the bigger picture notes, I've, I've alluded to it multiple times in this episode, um, but to kind of sum it all up, that Google is putting a very heavy priority on putting apps where they're best located. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's not, Google has always had options for where you put your apps. Like choice has never been something that Android has struggled with, but optimization has. And so what Google is doing is saying, okay, you've got a dozen different places you can put something. You've got a dozen different ways that you can access something, but where for each of those use cases, for each of those apps, what's going to be best there. So something like the power menu, that's something where um, it's out completely out of the way visually, unless you specifically trigger it. So it's, it's not meant for stuff that you want constant access to, but it's stuff that you need fast access to. Mm -hmm. It's, it's quicker than going to the app drawer, going to the home screen, even opening a folder, you just hold the power button and it's there and Google pay smart home. That's perfect for that. That's the exact use case that you need for that. Yeah. Same for putting music in the notifications bar. It's something you want constant access to, um, but you don't need like priority to access to. It's kind of tucked out of the way, but you can get to it all the time. Um, even a lot of their other things, um, some of their, or like the chat heads, like that's the same thing. Like they're finding ways to declutter and say, okay, or that even the notification sorting, they're saying, okay, we'll sort things into categories. And within those categories, we'll give you multiple options for where you can put things. So with chat heads, you'll, they'll sort all their messages down into like a, a messages category. And then you can export that entire messages category into a single bubble. So depending on your use case, um, you can optimize much more heavily now exactly where your information ends up and how to get yourself best access to it. So I think they've done a really good job of kind of cleaning things up and organizing things a bit better and optimizing access to uh, different categories of, of services. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're definitely trying to make it better and trying to be an innovator while also optimizing. But, you know, um, the, again, it is a beta. And according to The Verge, it is it could be released on September 8th. Uh, so we're still a little less than two months away from that. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is exciting for people other than me who have pixels. Um, yeah, I know I, this is a, the same cycle I get stuck in every time I have a, a Samsung is I see the new shiny Android and like, ah, oh, I have to wait. I mean, I would tell you to come back to a pixel, but given the, the status of the pixel four, I just don't know that it would be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can go back to our episode on the Pixel if you want to hear why I'm on a Samsung. But um, yeah, hopefully the uh, the Pixel Five will be good, and you know, maybe when I you know finish paying this off in like a decade, I can uh, see where the Pixel's at um, and, and go back. Yeah, well, that's gonna do it for the show. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at the Fanboy Pod. Visit us online at theunbiasedfanboys.com. And with that, we'll bid you a farewell for the night. Have a good one. Adios. Remember, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms as well as online at unbiasedfanboys.com and on social media at the Fanboy Pod. And feel free to let us know your thoughts about the topic or our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a message on social media or on our website. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Have a good day. Adios, amigos.